Hey there, and welcome to a Clean Bill of Wealth podcast. I'm your host, Galen Nuttall. Thanks for joining me today. This is a podcast where I cover topics of importance for Canadian physicians, sometimes financial and sometimes other aspects of life like health and well-being and relationships and side hustles. And if you haven't already, be sure to go to galenhelpsdocs.com to join the free financial literacy challenge for Canadian physicians. That's at G-A-L-E-N helpsdocs.com. Be sure to check it out. And if you've already done it, be sure to fill out the form at the end where you can claim your free prize after having completed the modules. That's a place online where I answer a lot of the top questions I get behind closed doors around financial planning for physicians. I cover a lot of the misconceptions and mistakes that I see people making. So be sure to check that out. And now on with the show. All right. Welcome everyone to a Clean Bill of Wealth podcast. I'm your host, Galen Nuttall. And today I am joined by Dr. Siobhan Key. Uh, So in case you don't know, Siobhan, uh, Dr. Key is a weight loss coach for physicians and an expert in emotional and binge eating. And she's also a practicing obesity and family physician, mother of three amazing kids and an avid runner. And Dr. Key has her own uh, coaching and weekly podcast, uh, Weight Solutions for Physicians. And she specializes in helping physicians go from feeling overwhelmed and out of control with their eating to finding relief from stress and binge eating without relying on willpower. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. And I will admit that I am a, well, I'm a, I'm a runner and I definitely uh, am a stress eater. So <laughs> I feel like I'm going to, I'm going to get a lot out of this. Um, amazing. They often so think, go hand in hand. <laughs> they often go hand in hand. <laughs> Oh man. Yeah. So we'll definitely have to talk about that, but, um, yeah. So thanks so much for joining me. And I mean, one of the things that I love learning about anyone who's got like this, like you've got this passion, you're passionate obviously about like helping physicians lose weight and gain control of that aspect of their life. I'd be interested to know, like what got you interested in, um, in this area? Mm -hmm. Well, I think it, it was really my own journey. So I, um, you know, was an active physician. Like I ran, ran a marathon at some of my heaviest weights, but couldn't figure out the eating piece. So like knew what I should be eating. Cause of course we all have an idea of what's healthy and what's not. And yet there I was, I like, you know, kept going through the fast food drive throughs so for me, um, if anybody's listened to my podcast, you'll know it was Wendy's French fries was like the biggest, most challenging food I ever like I wrestled with that thing for so many years of my life. I can't even tell you how much mental energy I put into trying to figure out what the heck it was that made them so appealing and why I just kept going back, even though I knew they were totally unhealthy and they weren't actually, you know, helping anything. Um, And so I was on my own journey. And in that journey, I realized as a family physician, what I had been taught about weight and helping patients with weight was woefully unhelpful. Like essentially in medical school, we're taught to tell people just eat less, exercise more. Your cholesterol's high, eat less, get up for some exercise. You're overweight, just go lose some weight so that your cholesterol is better, your blood pressure is better, your diabetes is better. Like it's so inadequate. Um, and so I started getting interested in trying to figure out, okay, there's got to be better science for better tools for this. So that's how I actually discovered that there is even a specialty called obesity medicine by Googling, trying to find a, a conference of some sort that could help me. Um, and I started doing obesity medicine. I started a weight management program in my office. It was just grassroots, like in our back staff room, having like group medical visits with our patients that just to try to give a better approach to helping them manage their weight. And then while I was doing that, so I was building the scientific knowledge 
and I was working with people and people were having success, but there was this piece that it wasn't fixing. And it was, I was seeing it in myself in that, like, even while I was doing obesity medicine, I'd lost some weight at that point. And, you know, it was happening slowly, but those Wendy's French fries were still there. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't actually encountered anything in the obesity medicine training that told me what those Wendy's French fries were and, and how to actually stop them. And I was seeing that in the, in the patients in my groups too, where, you know, people lost large amounts of weight and then, then it, you know, it would just start to come back. Like the old behaviors would come back and they're struggling or there were the people that, you know, were really keen, really motivated, but just couldn't actually do it consistently. And so I started to get interested in that side of like, okay, how do you go from knowing what you want to do to actually doing it consistently on a regular basis? And I was interested in it both for myself and then also with the patients in my weight management program that I was running. And ultimately that led me to life coaching. Mm -hmm. So it was in the life coaching tools that I actually found the tools that worked for me for those darn Wendy's French fries and totally changed my experience of them. Um, And I started using those tools in my weight management program with my patients to give them the extra pieces that had been missing. So not just the scientific knowledge of this is what probably will work best for your body, but how do you actually do it even when you, it's, you're stressed and even when you're tired and even when you don't want to, how do you still do it? Um, and so that was working really well. And I'd always all along when I was doing my obesity medicine training, I'd had an interest in finding a way to help physicians because I knew what it was like to be a physician who struggled with weight. Uh, it's pretty isolating. And mm. it, as physicians who struggle with weight, we generally carry a lot of shame about the fact that we struggle with our weight and our eating because we should quote unquote, know better that we should just be able to fix it because we're the ones that are supposed to be promoting health. And it can create a barrier to actually getting help. Like as a physician in a smaller community, it doesn't necessarily feel comfortable to go to a Weight Watchers meeting and Mm. sit in a group of people and actually speak openly about what's going on because a good portion of the people there probably know you in some way and some might actually be your patients. Um, And so I knew I wanted to do something for physicians to offer support that was a bit more private and um, safe for people to actually engage in. And that's where I ultimately, once I got into the life coaching and like realized how powerful that piece was, that's when I started to decide to kind of branch out and add in the coaching side with uh, helping physicians. Got it. And so definitely, um, I mean, I'm, what I'm hearing is that you're, you know, your own experience, your own journey, and then seeing specifically for physicians, like having, you know, it sounds like it would require a lot of vulnerability on behalf of a physician to go to something like a Weight Watchers program in a small town and be like, oh, like you're struggling with this. Like you're the one who's telling me to control my cholesterol through diet and exercise and you're struggling with it yourself. So I could see how mm-hmm. that would be a difficult thing to face. And um, what I can't help but ask is like, what did you find out about the Wendy's French fries? <laughs> because I'm like, everyone probably has their own version of the Wendy's French fries. Like I'm sitting here French and fries. I'm like, it's like, is it the croissants that I love from the local bakery? Or is it like the, um, you know, Kit Kat bars? I'm like, what is Cause there are things for me. They're just like, they just call my name and it's like that siren yeah. song that I cannot. Uh, so I can't help but wonder, like, is there something that, that you found around that specific craving? 
Totally. I think really what it was is understanding that it wasn't about the fries. Like in our diet culture, we're really taught that it's we're very food focused when we're trying mm-hmm. to eat healthy. Like we get really focused on eat this, don't eat this. But then when we really want the food that are, is on that like don't eat list, like the Wendy's French fries were, it's not actually about the the fries. Like it's not that those fries are really so compelling and so absolutely delicious that. Mm-hmm you know, I needed them all those times. It was what they were representing and what my brain had connected them um, to that my brain had decided they were the solution to. And really in residency, my brain had decided they were the solution to pretty much everything. Like if I'd been up on call and hadn't slept, well, Wendy's French fries would make it better. If I was on call and might not sleep, Wendy's French fries would make it better. You know, if I just needed a break. Like when my kids were little and there's so little time where you're actually alone <laughs> where nobody's talking to you, Yeah, like going and getting the fries and having like those 10 minutes in the car before I actually headed home to get attacked by children. Uh, that felt better, right? Like it was playing all these different roles and really it needed, I needed to recognize a, what roles was it playing? And then where was the earliest place I could intervene? So this is the difference between the coaching approach and the kind of obesity medicine science approach, because it's not just about like, okay, I want the Wendy's French fries for a break. And so just go give myself a break somewhere else and just say, you're not using that for a break anymore. What in a coaching approach is we actually like go back as far as we can to be like, where's the first point that you're starting to feel like you need a break in your day. And maybe it's something like for me, this, this was back when my kids were little, but like getting the kids out the door first thing in the morning was like one of the most stressful points of my day. Yeah. And yet it wasn't anything about them. Like they were just being kids and like, it's like hurting cats, which is what it's probably supposed to be. It was my thinking about it. Like I'd sit there thinking, come on, you need to go faster. You're going to be late. We're going to be late. Why aren't you guys going faster? Put on the darn toque. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> stop fighting me about the toque. And then I would just get progressively like frustrated and stressed. And when I could catch those moments, the other moment that was similar was in the office. If I started to be behind, my brain would just start like being like, you know, you're so far behind. There's so much work to do. There's everybody's out in the waiting room waiting for you. This was pre-COVID, of course. And like, you need to hurry up. And and that would start creating this stress that pretty soon after that, my brain would start offering Wendy's French fries as the solution. So when I could notice these situations, and this is what I do with the physicians I work with, is what are those early situations? In that morning when I'm getting the kids on the bus, it has nothing to do with Wendy's French fries. Like my brain is not even thinking about fries. But if I change how I'm thinking in that moment, it may completely change what my brain suggests for food later in the day. Because it's it's like a Domino's oh, wow. yeah. series is how it works in our brains. And then wow. it's easy, right? Because if you're changing it before it has anything to do with the food, it, it there's no willpower. Like it, it's, it, you don't feel like you're on a diet. It, it's not a struggle because you're actually changing the true core reason why that food craving would come later in that day. Yeah. And I'm, yeah, this is, I've never thought of this in this way at all. And so 
it's like the the fries are a proxy for something or it was like yeah. it was a sign of something like oh i'm finally taking a break in my day and that's how i'm going to do it i'm going to go through the drive through or this is how i'm going to deal and you're saying like even that early it was the experience or the, the what you were saying it sounds to me like what you were saying to yourself about what it was taking for you to get the kids out the door and whether they were wearing their toque or not and in my house it's my daughter and her socks like every sock feels like sandpaper to her so to get her to put them on and out the door is like a miracle um but you're saying like kind of like what you're making it mean or what you're saying about that moment if you shift it then you won't necessarily go to that comfort of food or you won't go down that road of like, Oh, I need this to feel like, you know, like it's a break or like, to like a, like mm-hmm. a, like a, um, like a treat or something like that. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. Cause it's really like when I think of my personal journey back then, really that time in the drive through was probably the only break I was truly giving myself because I was spending my days. Like I was, I had, little twins and then another little one at home and a busy practice. And so I was spending my day either being at work, feeling like I'm not spending enough time at home and I really should be home because all the little kids are probably missing me. And I know lots of people listening to this Mm -hmm. will, uh, you know, feel that. And, um, or at, you know, at home and kind of feeling like, am I doing a good enough job as a doctor? Like, am I spending enough time doing that? And, and so, and this is super common with all the physicians I work with, we then don't give ourselves any self-care time. And the tiny little bits we do, we feel really guilty about because we feel we should be like giving ourselves to somebody else. So the way I think about this is my brain was kind of like, okay, if you're not going to do it, I will do it for you. (laughs) So here is your time off. Right. Enjoy your Wendy's French fries and your Diet Coke. And then get back to whatever's happening. And so some of this often is when you're working on this on your own, it's figuring out where you can actually put those breaks in yourself. Like if you think that eating is giving you a break and it's often in the evening when this shows up too for people, it's like, you know, busy, busy day, you can hold it together because you've got stuff you're focused on. You get home, you know, things start to wind down and your brain's like, all right, let's fix all this stress that we've been carrying throughout this day and we haven't dealt with. And let's do it super quickly. And let's do it with the least amount of energy possible. And guess what? Food fits that bill perfectly. Um, And so of course we want food after those days. And so it's kind of unwinding and figuring out, okay, if my brain's going to create that break, if my brain's going to give me that relief in its own way, if I don't do it anyways, how can I actually be more intentional and put it, put breaks and put some self-care in that will be more productive for me in general than what the, the food is? Because the food never fixes it. That's the issue, right? Like if the food actually fixed it right. and truly made you feel better, maybe we would just all choose to keep stress eating because it would just like, if it actually made our lives better, right. it gives you momentarily like a momentary improvement in your mood. You get a little bit of dopamine in your brain and then whatever was there before the stress, anxiety, the overwhelm, it's still there a couple minutes later. I think, uh, I think now I understand why I consistently eat either a bowl of chips or a bowl of cereal at like 10 o'clock every night. because It's like, I've been go, go, go up until that point. And the thought of giving myself a break before then is difficult. Like to actually, like I'll do it in the morning. Like I, you know, I start the day off in a certain way. But yeah, it pretty much doesn't feel like until like in our house, it's basically once the kids are in bed, that's when we feel like oh, okay, maybe we can get a bit of a break. So definitely unlocking uh, the, what's behind some of my habits. Because every night I'm like, how come I always crave like 
cereal mm-hmm. or chips or whatever at 930 at night when I know I'm not hungry. And I know it's probably going to mess with my sleep in the sense that like, if I eat this and then lay down, it might give me heartburn. Like I know it's going to cause problems, but it's like, I feel like it's this siren song that I can't resist. So, yeah. So what, so you've touched on it a bit, but I do want to know, like, so what would you, would you say that there's things that are specific to physicians? I mean, you've mentioned about, you know, really taking care of other people or like feeling like they're not in the, they're never in the right place at the right time. Like, should I be at home mm-hmm. or should I be at the clinic? Should I be taking care of my kids or my patients or my kids missing me? Like, it seems like there's a lot of that, but is there anything else specific to like the struggles of physicians that you see consistently that you have to kind of shine a light on? Yeah, I think, um, I think the big ones would be, uh, number one, the shit, the shame, like, and this is huge. And, um, it's something physicians really battle is that if, if a physician feels they have extra weight or they have eating habits that aren't, you know, the right ones, quote unquote, let alone for the physicians that actually have like binge eating or, you know, more right. significant, um, eating challenges, that shame is huge. And it actually gets in people's way of providing care. Because So if you're a physician who has binge eating and feel like you're overweight and you're counseling patients on health, often there's this like questioning of, should I actually even be bringing up or having discussions with my patient about their weight if I can't figure it out myself? And that's a a big barrier that doesn't need to be there, honestly. Like, uh, I think there's a lot of help we can do, even if we haven't figured out our own stuff, just by the empathy of, you know, having been there and knowing that it's not straightforward and trying to figure it out. So that would be one. Number two is kind of what you touched on. I think there's an epidemic of physicians feeling like they're not quite enough in some way or another. And I think it's, um, I work mainly with female physicians, so I'm not sure if it's as prevalent with men, but definitely in female physicians, you know, very high achievers, very like busy people caring for a lot of people and yet often feeling like they're failing in every single area of their life, which then of course that's going to make you want to eat, right? Like if you spend your day like working super hard and you feel like you're actually not doing anything well enough of course you're going to like want to eat and have days where you just don't care about what you eat because it feels super crummy. And so again, that's where coaching can be so powerful because actually working on those thoughts and recognizing there's no objective evidence that you're not doing things well enough. It's coming from inside. Like it's a, it's a thought pattern inside that probably partly gets physicians to where they, where they are. Like it's that feeling of not quite sure if you're measuring up. So pushing harder, I think, you know, ends up with being the high achieving physicians that they are. And yet once you're done all those times where you have to like compete and achieve, it it feels really crummy. And so Mm -hmm. working on letting go of that and focusing on recognizing that you're completely enough, exactly how you are right now. And this is important when it comes to weight, because again, often they everybody, I think not just physicians think, oh, I'll be better as a person once I've lost this weight or once I get a handle on this eating. And that's just not true. Like you're, you're, you know, completely enough as a person right now, regardless of your size, your shape, your eating habits. And if you can recognize that and work on owning that, it actually makes it easier to make easier to make the changes to uh, actually reach the goals you're working on because you're doing it from a positive 
positive place instead of like this just you know negative beating yourself up type of place absolutely and like i so what i'm hearing is like really shifting so a coming around that like a lot of like you said kind of an epidemic of almost like self-doubt like am i am i enough and then specifically with weight loss if they're dealing with it then not feeling like they can necessarily counsel someone on that like and even like you know like because it's it's visible if someone is you know if someone's overweight or you know like obese like it's like you know it's like they're looking at them and potentially the clients or sorry the patient is thinking like oh who are you to give me this advice or whatever the doctor might be thinking that right like oh I have no business giving this advice and certainly like you were saying like coming to term or coming to that thought of I'm um, I'm fine the way I am because um, I know that like when I like I de- when I think about weight loss I definitely think oh I used to this didn't used to be a problem or I used to weigh X and it's usually comes mm-hmm. from that. Like, Oh, this didn't used to be an issue. Why is it an issue now? I remember, or I'm like, or I'm like, Oh, I was so lucky back then. Like, why didn't I just like enjoy every day that I was like that ideal weight, you know? And like, but it doesn't help <laughs> to come at it from that angle. Like, cause it's all but, you like, know, I a think lack. Totally. But it's also a really good example of how it's not your body size that matters it's your thoughts about the body size right like because i think we all have times in our lives where we can remember ourselves being a lower weight and totally not appreciating it because again the thoughts weren't there and now at our current weights we might look back and go oh wow it's super skinny but when we're that size we didn't have that thought we had like you know i remember my later teens like I was pretty, probably the skinniest I've ever been. And yet I, you know, judged roles and stomachs and, you know, all that sort of oh, stuff um, because of the thoughts. And so you, you, when you're working on long-term weight loss, I really think it's so important to get thoughts on straight first so that when you actually get there, you can appreciate it, that you're there and you can actually appreciate each step on the way instead of feeling like, okay, yeah, I've gone this far, but it's not far enough yet. Because um, right. I really think this is part of, like the weight regain and the difficulties of long term weight loss are complex. Like um, obesity as a medical condition is complex, but I really do think there's quite a big element of for when you lose a certain amount of weight, and then it doesn't actually match up to what you thought it was going to be. Like those negative thoughts are still there. They're still beating you up about, and now they have new things because maybe there's some skin that sags. Maybe there's, you know, stretch marks or there's all different things, but it still finds things to beat you up about. So it doesn't match up with that kind of perfect mm-hmm. life we envisioned at a certain weight. Then it's it's easier to just start going back to old habits because it, it doesn't feel better when you're there um, than yeah. here. And that's where it's important to make here feel better so that it feels better there. Absolutely. <laughs> that makes sense. No, it makes total sense because I can think back to when I was in college or high school or whatever and running marathons and like weighing significantly less than I do now. But at that time thinking, well, I still don't have a six pack or I still don't have this or I still don't have that. And like definitely see that um, if uh, like how it can be disillusioning or disappointing to hit that goal. And still not having shifted the way that I think about myself or the things that I'm saying about myself, it would feel like, oh, this was all for naught. I might as well just go back to the way I was. Like, even if I've lost a bunch of weight, what didn't get me to where I wanted to go. And um, I can't help but mention, like, it, I actually work on this with my clients around things like retirement or savings. Because a lot of times people think, oh, once I've saved X, then I'll be okay. Or when I retire, then this will happen. And I really encourage people to really work on that. Like, you can chase that carrot 
all the way until the very last day of like, I could chase a carrot all the way until the last day of my life around, oh, once this happens, then I'll finally have that sense of I've made it or I'm good enough or I've accomplished enough. When in fact, just like you said, like if here doesn't feel good, then nowhere is going to feel good. Totally. I think they're very related. Like the the mindsets around money and money goals are, I think, really related to the weight goals too. Right? Oh, absolutely. And the, in a you similar can, fashion. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say like just thinking, you know, when I was a med student, you think, oh, when I'm a resident and I can start earning money and I should get paid for these hours, it's going to be so great. And then you're a resident. You're like, well, when I'm atten- an attending, it's going to be like so amazing. And and then, you know, and then you're like, oh, crap, I have to actually save for maternity leaves. <laughs> and, yeah. and then you have the maternity leaves and you realize, you know, every like it, it, there's just always something and you have to always work on how you're thinking about it. Oh, absolutely. And so one of the things you have mentioned, you know, I mean, I think you've given us a lot of insight into how you specifically help people um, above and beyond, like you're saying, like the knowledge of move more, eat less or eat better, move more is not enough to shift it for the vast majority of people. And it sounds like there's some deeper sort of inner work to be done. Um, I think you've laid out fairly well what like uh, at least some things that you look at, but could you t- walk us through a little bit of what it's like to work with you? Like what, what does it look like for someone to come to the table and say, Hey, this is what's going on for me. Um, like what sort of steps do you take people through? Sure. So w- the main way I work with people right now is in a program called stress eating SOS. So it's my uh, three month group coaching program. And I've uh, developed this and have switched to it predominantly. I used to do like private coaching too, because I honestly think this is a far better way having done both. So what it looks like is um, there's there for people that join the program, they get all sorts of videos and there's guided meditations and workbooks and all that sort of stuff um, in the program, but really the value. And I think the most important thing is the group medical or not group medical visits, sorry guys, uh, group coaching sessions. And so what those look like is uh, we're there is a group um, on uh, a Zoom call, and then people who want coaching raise their hand and come on, and basically I talk directly with them. And what's really interesting because you think, okay, this is a weight loss program. How much can you talk about like weight loss and food? The reality is, the vast majority of what we coach around ha- is not directly related to the food. It's kind of like what I was talking about about getting the kids out the door, right? It's like somebody might come and say, oh, you know, I was doing so well. And then I had this day and ended up eating all this extra stuff. And I'm not totally sure what happened. And so basically, we just talk through it and figure out where was that earliest point that we could kind of shift. And and I'm always as a coach, I'm always looking for the simplest, easiest shift because I, I like I know what it's like to be busy. It's not about like, here's a bunch of homework, go spend a half hour a day trying to figure this stuff out. It's about what little shifts can you make on the fly that then just kind of help everything fall into place and make everything else easier. Yeah. Um, and so it's just little shifts. So we coach around everything like, you know, kids, relationships, um, imposter syndrome, kind of the self-doubt stuff, uh, work, work relationships, work stressors, um, and directly about food and, and food cravings and, all that sort of stuff. But it's really interesting. And the power, the reason why I love the group format so much is like I said, there's so much isolation and shame being a physician who deals with this, that 
sitting in that group, even if you're not being directly coached, but you're listening to other people say stuff that you do too, it helps take that away. And the more we can take that shame away, the more, the easier it is to start actually seeing movement because it's the shame that holds you stuck. Yeah. Um, and the isolation that kind of gets, keeps you where you are. Oh yeah. No, that sounds amazing. And I definitely, I've been part of group coaching experiences where I was always amazed at how someone might be in a very different stage of life or dealing with very different things than me, but watching someone else have a breakthrough, like always gave me a breakthrough, even if it was like, you know, a surface level looking very different because internally, I think it's like you're saying, like the shame is probably a big part of it. Like if someone if someone's able to sort of release some of that or like get past some of that, um, then I can also do it for myself if I see them do it. So definitely a very powerful um, medium by which to transform thoughts, in my opinion. Like I've seen it happen first uh, firsthand. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Cool. And, and just, it's yeah. very different from being coached directly. Like, I don't know if you've had this, but yeah. like if you're coached directly, you pick up different things than when you're sitting and watching somebody else be coached. Uh, like your brain's just in a totally different role. So Mm. you get kind of the best of both worlds when you're in a group. Absolutely. No, that's amazing. And so one of the things that, um, so yeah, that sounds like a really impactful way to do it. And like, um, you know, people take turns or raise their hand to get specific coaching and then other people benefit from seeing it. Um, So, and that's a three month program you said, that's how that works. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very cool. And there's lots of resources. You said like videos and meditations, but also the active like group coaching. Totally. And I really tell like, again, physicians are like high achievers, right? And we're perfectionists in general. So yeah. they come in and think you have to do it all. And I really encourage people that programs like this are there for what you need out of them. And that might look different now than what it does like down the road. And so coming in and and choosing, you know, what actually is going to be most helpful for you at this particular moment in your life. And maybe it's not doing it all. Like it doesn't have to be that you check off all the boxes to get benefit out of something like this. It's really about giving yourself permission to uh, do the things that are actually going to be most helpful, like to be the most efficient with your time and your energy, basically. Absolutely. No, that makes a lot of sense. And um, one thing that I can't help but ask about shifting gears very slightly are, is that, um, you know, I've met um, doctors who are interested in starting something on the side, so to speak, like away from their main practice, like a business or a passion project. And I see them getting stopped um, often around different things like, am I allowed to do this kind of thing? Or is it going to be frowned upon by my colleagues that I'm stepping outside of the scope of my practice? I mean, there's different things that I've seen come up for people. So I just can't help but wonder, I mean, you're, I mean, I've seen, you've got this amazing website, you've got this program. I mean, it's out, it's aligned with your expertise, obviously, but outside of your practice, right? Like, can you tell me just what got you to take the plunge to do that? Like, how is it, how has that journey been for you? Totally. And you know what? I don't know what actually, because when I think back, like before I started my podcast, which I've had for two and a half years now, I was an extreme introvert. Like I still am not on social media very much. I do right. not post my, my private life. And so I, I still don't totally know what actually shifted where I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do this. But I can tell you it was probably the scariest thing I've ever done in my life. Wow. All the same things that you're talking about, like the even, you know, what's interesting is even starting my weight management program back when I started it, like nobody in my community knew what obesity medicine was. It's starting to get more pub, like more talk in 
in Canada. It's still not super well known. And so even starting that was scary. And I had all those things you said, like, am I allowed to do this? Are people going to frown on me? Are they going to think this is some sort of scam diet? All that. And then when I, so I already had a bit of experience of kind of doing it anyways and trusting that the need was out there. Um, And so when I started the, the weight solutions for physicians, I think that's just what I kept coming back to because I had all those doubts for sure. Like, are people even going to listen to this podcast? Are people, right. you know, going to trust me to help them? And I just kept coming back to the core belief of, I remember asking myself the question, A, do I feel that there's physicians out there that are suffering right now with trying to figure out their own weight and their own eating? Yes, absolutely. 100%. And B, do I think I can help them? And those two beliefs I had. And so I was able to just keep going. But I think for anybody that's thinking about this, know that it's probably going to build slower than what you think it is. Like, again, we would like it to just like, you know, start and and it's the way it is. But there's so much learning that happens at every single step of the way. And so you are going to do things wrong or how you perceive wrong or they're not going to turn out exactly the way you wanted them to. And it's just that constant, like, okay, that didn't work. So I'll try it this way. And then I'll try it this way that ultimately I think starts lining things up in the way that they're actually will work for you long-term. Well, for sure. Um, but you, you have to be prepared to face some self-doubt and just keep going. And I'd say hire a coach <laughs> if, yeah. if it's a, something that's tough for you. Cause uh, having that person on the outside of us, that objective view, I think can be really really powerful to help just calm you down and stay focused on the true like the true belief and the people that you're working on serving oh absolutely yeah no i'm a big fan of like because i mean uh, just like a aside like my wife and i both have entrepreneurial spirit and we have like side hustles and definitely like if we had taken on coaching earlier than we did it would have sped things up tremendously because we definitely like cobbled it together and yeah no and i appreciate you being very open about having those self-doubts around like you know are people gonna think like what is this approach because i mean even if you as you've been describing it like it doesn't sound like the most you know tradition i would say traditional weight loss sounds a lot like calories in calories out like how many mm-hmm. steps have you gotten in today you know did you do a half hour workout whereas you're getting sounds to me like you're getting to like root causes of like where what is that craving where is that craving coming from or where is like you know like just like in your um in, in the introduction, like without relying on willpower, like you're getting to like the source or like what's coming before that breakdown of like, what, how am I going to um, find that relief in the day through food? So no, I appreciate you sharing Absolutely. that because it's uh yeah, no, definitely coach. I'll have an upcoming interview for sure with some business coaches for physicians because it's big, but also like having a podcast two and a half years, like I feel like a ton of podcasts have popped up in the last year and changed. So like, I feel like two and a half years, that's like a veteran uh, in the podcasting, in the podcast sphere. <laughs> Cause um, it's 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 uh, but it, I don't know I love podcasts personally like it's my favorite way of creating content but uh I know that's, that's so awesome you've had one for so long yeah and you know it's funny like now because I'm over you know 100 episodes and stuff that wow. seemed in my mind that was like a the line I'm like okay and when I hit 100,000 downloads that also was a big like it's like whoa okay people are actually listening to this but um yeah it's funny because it it same thing. Like, I think whenever you start something like this, you see the people that have already gone ahead of you and kind of where they're at. And you're always comparing to that. 
Um, but it's I by far, like I said, starting the podcast and was the scariest thing I've ever done in my life that took like, you know, months of concerted, like calming myself down and keeping going. Right. It's also by far the best thing I've ever done. Um, like it's been so amazing and just getting the opportunity to talk to people that you'd never otherwise get a chance to talk to. And, um, in this format where you can just sit and chat and, you know, hear different people's opinions. I think it's, it's so fun. Oh, absolutely. And then getting the feedback and hearing how, you know, just you chatting about stuff is helping people and helping people change their lives. I think is, makes it all worth it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. If anyone, I always say like, if anyone's thinking about podcasting, like go for it. <laughs> if it's, if it's something you're interested in, like you said, like I, last year I interviewed two New York times, bestselling authors, um, Eve Rodsky and, uh, Gretchen Rubin, um, who are both idols of mine really in the sphere of like the books they've written. And it's like, if I had just kind of like send them an email and said, Hey, can we like chat for 15 minutes? They probably would have said no, but to say like, Hey, I've got a podcast. Will you be on it? And they said, yes, like it took months to book them, but it was still, it still happened. And anyways, like, that's my, that's my, uh, side soapbox around podcasting. It's just so much fun. a hundred thousand episodes. That's amazing. I think I'm at like, uh, uh, yeah, definitely not a hundred thousand. Let's just say that. But also I've, I think I've had like 12 episodes or 14 or something like that, but that's amazing. That's it took, awesome. it took a while to get there. <laughs> yeah. hundred thousand mark. Well, I remember. <laughs> hitting- I remember when a hundred was, I was like a hundred people have downloaded this podcast. Like, Yay, I'm winning. Yeah. yeah well, I remember when I cried. <laughs> Not just my mom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Cause I'll get like, yeah, that's that's for sure. Like I'll hear from the 17 people that listen to an episode. No, um, yeah, when I cracked, I remember I cracked a thousand and I, I host mine on Podbean and Podbean sent me like a little email and a badge. They're like, here's your thousand download badge. And I was like, wow, that's a lot of downloads. Like that definitely feels like a big milestone. Yeah. But yeah, oh, that's awesome. Oh, very cool. Well, um, I want to make sure that everyone knows where to find you to um, you know, if you know, if you're listening to this and you're saying, wow, like I've tried other things. It's not working. I really want to get a handle on this. And if you're, you know, really relating to the uh, concept of the breakdown of willpower throughout the day or the breakdown of like trying to find that break in the day or the shame, obviously, like definitely people should be reaching out to you. Um, so what, um, what's the best ways for people to find out more about what you do? Yeah, so I think, you know, the podcast is really the best way to get to know me. And there's so much content on there, which is Weight Solutions for Physicians. It's on all the different podcast platforms. Um, And then my website is weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca. And right now, um, I'm working on a group that's actually not... Most of my groups are just physicians. I'm opening up a special group that's for any healthcare professional. Mm-hmm. So if there's non-physicians that are listening to this, you could go to weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca forward slash SOS hyphen HCP uh, to find out more about that. But um, I'm excited about that. I've spent the last two and a half years just doing physician work. And I know that there's a lot of other healthcare professionals that have similar stresses and struggle with a lot of the same issues. And so I'm looking forward to uh, creating a group to, to work with them. Awesome. Amazing. So weight, sl- weight solutions for physicians is the name of the podcast. Yeah. Perfect. And I'll put that link everywhere I post this. So people can click on that to find out more about the SOS program and get started there. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I very much appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Kaylin. I've had a lot of fun.
Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I love it. I love, I mean, you've definitely given me a lot to think about with my own habits around, <laughs> around eating. And I am slightly craving Wendy's fries right now, even though I yeah, have Yeah, sorry. Had them, I, I know that's the downside whenever that's I talk about it, is I know well, there's people that are going to have Wendy's French fries. <laughs> well, you know, Wendy's should uh, give me some shares. Yeah, this is like unsolicited <laughs> Wendy's. Average. Well, it's funny because that, that movie that came out a long time ago um, almost supersized me about the guy who only ate McDonald's yeah. for 30 days. When I saw it, I paused it and I went out and got McDonald's. It came back and ate it while I finished it because I was watching this guy yeah. eat McDonald's. I mean, of course, McDonald's is like a huge, like, you know, they got that whole formula of fat, sugar, uh, whatever it is, fat, sugar, uh, salt uh, figured out. Yeah. And it's just like, anyways, I always tell people that I'm like, the what? We're like, this guy was suffering and like eating this food and you went out and like bought it. I'm like, oh, I just couldn't, like, he was eating it and I was watching him and I was like, I got to have some of that. So it's just funny how those yeah. things work. Yeah. I think it tells you a lot about our, like, our food culture and, uh, the research that's into like they know that that works right like well, they know it works any publicity's good publicity so yeah. i'm sure their their purchases went up when that movie came out no doubt no doubt awesome well thank you so much yeah thank you Hey there, thank you so much for having listened to this episode. I'm honored that you took time out of your busy day to listen to this, or maybe you're multitasking like I do when I'm driving or doing yard work and listening to podcasts. So I hope you got a lot out of it. As always, feel free to check out the free financial literacy challenge for Canadian physicians that I have put together. You can hop on over to galenhelpsdocs.com to check that out. G-A-L-E-N, helpsdocs.com. And if you've already taken it, be sure to fill out the form at the end so you can claim your free prize. That's a place where I cover a lot of the misconceptions around financial planning for Canadian physicians, and then also cover a lot of the top topics and questions I get asked behind closed doors by doctors who want to understand more what they should be doing for retirement and how to manage their corporation. So perfect. Feel free to check that out. Again, thank you so much for having joined me and take care.